Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. The plans are in place, and the last lever just needs to be flipped. Standing in a power pose, Lex Luthor extends his arm forward to finalize that victory. It is then that his arm stops and freezes in place. He strains to reach the lever, but to no avail, as Agatha Harkness appears and stares him down. Lex curses as he looks around his lab for an answer, nods to himself with a smile, and dons his super suit, ready to battle. It's the Billionaire versus the Witch. It's the Legion of Doom versus Daughters of Liberty. It's Lex Luthor versus Agatha Harkness. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Legion of Audience, the Who Would Win production team has done it again and brings you another matchup that will be one for the ages. In one corner, you have Lex Luthor, one of DC Comics' ultimate villains versus one of Marvel's ultimate magical powerhouses. Of course, I'm talking about Agatha Harkness. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed and not even once, no joke, like not even once has this thing been close being mentioned, not even a group battle involving them, nothing. So yeah, we're bringing you the Legion of Audience, another premier geek culture matchup and as always you're welcome so ray what are your thoughts on today's matchup i'm intrigued by this one look we let the people of patreon you know you go to patreon.com slash who would win show and we let those folks once a month decide in a poll who's going to appear on the show within the next month and we gave them a whole bunch of different as usual a whole bunch of different uh suggestions and they uniformly said it's time for Lex Luthor to appear on the Who Would Win show, which leaves us in an interesting place. We got this great uh, supervillain who's also kind of an anti-hero in his own way, right? He's not all the time villainous. What's better than a, a tech-based billionaire versus a magical-based tweener like Agatha Harkness, who's going to be a big deal in phases uh, four, five, and six of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, of course, played by Katherine Hahn there. Uh, and she is both a good guy and a bad guy, depending on the story. I'm ready for two superstar antiheroes to battle it out today. You know, Ray, speaking of two superstar anti-heroes battling it out, we did that last week in the last episode of Who Would Win, but something magical happened between us. Look, the Legion of Audience, you know, the fan base, you know, Ray and I are at odds a whole lot of the time, but we actually kind of found some common ground. We had, if I'm not mistaken, four emotional breakthroughs where Ray and I, Ray, I'm sure you'd agree with this, Ray and I somehow became closer, more united, like just, we almost became like best friends four times over all the right, last episode. All right, all right, all right. You, you, you slow down your roll just a little bit. We agreed a couple of times on some very obvious things. There is no, there is no bridge between us, James Gavsey. I still hate you with the beating heart of a big heart. Look, there's a metaphor there somewhere, and I'm so angry and I'm so despising of you, I couldn't even come up with it in the moment. I agree, Ray. We're closer than ever before. So I came up with a couple ideas. Just hear me out that I think are act amazing activities that will will bond our friendship even stronger. So the first one, the, the first thing we kind of bonded over, by the way, was the fact that we both love that band Ramstein, right? And I was thinking, what if, hear me out, you and I go to a Ramstein concert, but I pick your outfit and you pick out mine. What do you say? I mean, I don't know if I can find a clown suit big enough for you, James. Fat jokes are hurtful. That's fair. All right. Um, <laughs> moving on. How about this is really crazy. What if you and I and maybe like 
I don't know, Robert Clark Chan or Brent Pope, we competed as a team on a reality show. I don't know, something like, you know, I love this one on Netflix, The Floor Has Lava. I think if we competed as a team, we'd even be closer than ever before. Ray, what do you say? I know exactly what you're doing. Can I let the can I let that out right now? Look, <laughs> sure. Why here's not? the deal. I'm shocked that you're bringing this is the first time mentioned on the show. James, myself, and Brent Pope slash Robert Clark Chan as uh, emissaries of the Who Would Win show got very, very close to appearing on the Netflix original show, Floor is Lava. We got it to the final round of auditions, <laughs> and honestly, they were ready to have us on, uh, but the schedules broke down and we weren't able to get together. Much What a surprise that the people on this show weren't able to get it together to go beyond the Floor is Lava. So when you watch the last season of Floor is Lava, just imagine to yourself what could have been. Yes, I'm looking for fan art 100% right now. That story is 100% true, though. You know what I what I felt what what put us over is when they said how they they asked you how what you would do to kind of get through obstacles. They asked Robert Clark Chan, uh, Brent Pope. They got to me, and I said, I, and I really thought this blew the blew the interview. But in fact, I guess they loved it. I said I would use uh, Brent Pope as a flotation device, and I would use Ray as a battering ram to break through the wall or door or whatever we were facing. And they loved the answer. And again, we couldn't get our schedule together. All I'm saying, Ray, is that you and I have bonded. And I think after today's episode, we'll be even closer together as a unit. And the cool part is we have a judge on today that has been on twice before that each time he is on, you and I are that much closer together being best friends. I can't wait to introduce you. Listen, making another appearance on the Hood Win Show is Rhinox and Battletrap from the upcoming Transformers Rise of the Beast movie coming out soon. It's Volibear from League of Legends. It's the villainous Kaido from the One Piece anime. You know who I'm talking about. It's the one and only. It's David Sobolov. David, welcome back to Who Would Win. Nice to be back. <laughs> so I've got some questions because some really cool stuff's been happening for you. David, before we go on, tell our fan base, Legion of Audience, what you've been up to. Well, all the things you just mentioned, uh, lots going on with One Piece, the anime, uh, Kaido's big arc, the Wano arc is happening this year. I was uh, really just even recently, even this film, this film's coming out June 9th, we were still working on the Transformers Rise of the Beast movie. More surprises to be uh, to be revealed about that one. And Volibear continues as well. There's things going on with him too. So those three things are the big things now. I wrapped up The Flash. Uh, Gorilla Grodd had his last appearance uh, about a week ago. And it was a bittersweet time. But it was a great nine years on and off, you know, coming in when I could. And it was a great character. I'm really, really happy I got to play it. You know what? What a run, by the way. What an incredible run for a series. Your character was fantastic. A lot of people love just Gorilla Grodd, and then you brought Gorilla Grodd really to to life in a way that's never been done before. And, you know, I love all the CW series. I really do. But The Flash just seemed to have that special connection with the fans, especially DC Comics fans. Would you agree with that? Would you say, like, The Flash kind of had something a little bit uh, different, a little bit special? Like, you've got an inside perspective that none of us have. Well, they were all fans of the comics. They were all fans of the story, the people that worked on it. And we all actually cared, you know, and that makes a huge difference. There's sometimes you're just going through the motions, but nobody was going through the motions on that show. And you could see that on the screen. Yeah, that's a big 10-4 on that. So, it, you know, I, I've also wondered this too. It does make a big difference, right? When the the people involved in the show, both behind and in front of the camera, love the characters, know the characters, and are passionate about the characters. Would you agree with that? If you're phoning it in from Toledo, that's what it sounds like. But if you're really throwing your heart and soul into it, you know, you're right there with the fans. And the fans know if you're disrespecting them. And in this case, you know, they were, we're right there with them. So it's going to be a great show. You know, one of the things that's great about you is that you, you've got great fan engagement, and we've noticed that on the Who Would Win show. And you're really good at engaging with myself. You're very engaging with Ray. You know, um, how important is it for you to kind of connect with a fan base? Because when we talk with different types of actors, especially amazing voice actors such as yourself, some say it's all about the fans. Some say, hey, it's a little bit. Where, where are you in, in that whole process? I think it's all about the, all about the fans because I wouldn't have a job. If nobody watched the shows, there would be no work. And there would be no fun if people didn't enjoy it. You know, I'd be just talking into a void. So going out to the fan conventions and meeting people is super fun for me. And frankly, sometimes I almost feel like I'm an ambassador of the show to the fans and, and back to the show again. You know, I can let the show know what the fans are saying. I can let the fans know what, you know, what, uh, what I can about the show. And 
um, it's it's got good synergy. I love it. Now, listen, last question before we get to the show. Ray Stacanus has been complaining to the Who Would Win production team over the past, I don't know, how many months in anticipation of your next appearance on the show, which is today. Um, and he feels that you've been very unfair in the last two uh, appearances, the last two shows that you were on uh, in terms of your judging and your verdict. And he's all week, he's like, I don't even know if Dave Zolo can actually do a fair – I don't want to repeat what he said because it's not cool – He's, he's looking for some assurances that you're just not going to take my side and that you'll be open to what he is going to say and present today for Agatha Harkness. What would you have to say about that? I have to tell the audience there is no fee for this. I'm doing this for fun and I want to be impartial. And it's, you know, here's, it's like spoilers. If, he, if I'm not impartial, it's like I, I have a spoiler. The show's done before we even start. So I'm starting with an open mind and the one that convinces me has the best argument is going to win. Ray Sicanis, did you hear that? I mean, that's from the source itself. You, you've got to feel confident now that you've got a fair shake in today's episode. I hear our judge say that he's willing to listen to reason. I just have two episodes of this show where he proved he isn't. So I want to believe, David. Make me believe today. I will help. I will try to help you to believe. However, you have to have the strongest argument. I can't just vote for you because you're you. No, if people vote, if judges voted for me just because I was me, I would have the uh, 240 to 1, uh, you know, uh, winning record that I deserve. So I get it. What is the split? Yeah. I'd like to know how many have went, who, how many James, how many Ray? I feel like I'm up by about 50 based on this year alone. James, can you uh, can you help me with this? I, I think this this year has definitely been favoring Ray so far. Um, some interesting judgments. Not saying I agree with all of them because I don't. But uh, Ray's been debating really, really strong this year so far. I have a funny feeling things are going to change this evening with the arguments I'm about to present. <laughs> I think. All right. Listen, we've got an amazing judge. We've got Ray on a hot streak. I'm here too. Let's get this party started. Ray, do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC Comics, the only man in history who's more indebted to Green Rocks than Elon Musk, Lex Luthor. And representing Marvel Comics, the witch who once felt really nauseous, but thankfully, it was just a dizzy spell. Agatha Harkness. All right, well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, what version of Agatha Harkness are you using today? Keep it real, it's comic book time. Let's make it happen. I love it. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to use my favorite version of Lex Luthor. That's right, the Jesse Eisenberg version that appeared in Batman vs. Superman. Sorry, that was a typo. That was my least favorite version of Lex Luthor. I'll be using the comic book version of Lex Luthor from the comic current DC Comics, because that's what i got to do. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to leave the Who Would Win show a five-star rating and a fantastic written review wherever you listen to your podcast. Trust me, we read all of them. We, we, we value all of them. We sometimes smile, laugh, and cry, but we love them nonetheless. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. 
Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Agatha Harkness. Agatha Harkness is a powerful witch in Marvel Comics. She was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and first appeared in Fantastic Four number 94 back in 1970. Agatha is one of the original witches from the Salem Witch Trials. She survived that ordeal and went to New Salem in Colorado, which she led for centuries. Later in life, she wished to return from her relative isolation and took a job as the nanny for Franklin Richards. Yes, that Franklin Richards. Later on, she mentored Scarlet Witch and taught her how best she could to use her and hone her magical powers. So when it comes to magic, look, Agatha is no joke. Fun fact, Agatha is not one to back down from a fight. And that includes the good fight? Yes, During World War II, Agatha joined the Department of the Uncanny on the side of the Allies against the Nazi scum and the appropriately named Hilda von Haidt, who was killed as a direct result of the Department of the Uncanny's involvement. Take that, you Nazi creeps. And that is Agatha, Nazi killer Harkness. I like her more and more. Gotta tell you, she's a great character. She's great. All right. That was very cool. Here are the details for Lex Luthor. Now, the character of Lex Luthor, one of DC Comics' most iconic villains, was created by writer Jerry Siegel and artist Joe Shuster, the same creators of Superman. How odd is that, by the way? Lex Luthor made his first appearance in Action Comics number 23, which was published in April of 1940. Originally portrayed as a diabolical genius with a penchant for world domination, Luthor's character evolved over the years to encompass various iterations, including a mad scientist, a wealthy businessman, and even the President of the United States. As the arch nemesis of Superman, Lex Luthor has remained a constant presence in the superhero storylines, often using his intellect and resources to devise schemes to undermine the Man of Steel. In the 1980s, writer and artist John Byrne revamped Luthor's character, transforming into a ruthless yet charismatic billionaire industrialist, further enhancing his role as a complex and multifaceted antagonist, and these changes have remained with the character until today. Throughout his history, Lex Luthor has maintained his status as a compelling and formidable foe, driven by his ambition, cunning, and unwavering desire to defeat Superman, And sometimes even help him. That's kind of weird. And here's an interesting fact about Lex Luthor. Did you know that Lex Luthor's heritage isn't 100% European? It's true. According to his backstory, as it was redefined by the events of the Infinite Crisis story arc, Luthor's ancestors were among the very first European settlers to reach the area that would later become Metropolis. However, Luthor is also directly descended from the tribe of Native Americans who initially inhabited that land and met with the Europeans upon their arrival. Just from a thematic and literary standpoint, this is a really interesting choice, as Lex Luthor is one of the very few major DC characters to have Native American heritage. And now you have the facts on both opponents. David, do you have any questions before we get started? No, I'm just um, clearing my mind of everything, and I'm listening for relevant points. Who would win in that fight to a death submission or battlefield removal? Convince me. Here we go. Time to play the game. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Agatha Harkness. We're going to talk about, believe it or not, magic, because she is a highly uh, skilled magic-based character. Now, she ran this coven of New Salem. Over 600 witches lived in New Salem at certain points. Some of those witches were very, very ancient, very old, very powerful. Agatha was the most powerful magic-using witch in all of New Salem. And that is saying something when you can go somewhere that's already established for centuries as a place for witchcraft and walk in the door saying, I am better than all of you. Incredible. But what does this magic mean? 
She has magical senses, which allows, among other things, to see the invisible by detecting their hate. She had people who were invisible around her. She was able to feel their presence and know where they were just because they hated so much. You want to talk about haterade. They drink it in droves. Lex Luthor, he's got a little bit of hate in his system. If he tries to go invisible with his fancy tech, she will know where he is anyway. It also allows her a certain amount amount of weather control at one point she summoned a tornado to just throw at her enemies right you could throw a tornado at somebody you're feeling pretty good and there's a pretty strong character in marvel comics who's known as you know the god of thunder thor Thor had a lightning strike storm that he had conjured around that he was trying to hit her with the lightning bolts with and she made that storm stop happening she made it a calm day when the god of thunder was involved That is a high level of magical control. She also has mesmerism, which allowed her, one, to put Legion to sleep. She, in a battle of wills with one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful mutant in history, she put him to sleep with her mind. She also, at one point, mind-wiped the entire planet Earth of one piece of knowledge that she didn't want them to have. So everybody on Earth just suddenly forgot. Spider-Man in the MCU would have been better served asking Agatha for help than Doctor Strange. Strange, that's what I'm talking about. She also has a, a, a thought, mental abilities. She once read all of the Avengers' minds very, very quickly at the same time so she could figure out what was going on right away. She gave uh, Steve Rogers 50 years of current events in history in like the snap of a finger just to get him up to date on what's going on. And she read Kang the Conqueror's mind to figure out a way in order to beat him. Kang being a much stronger version of what James is going to present as Lex Luthor. And if she can do that to Kang, she can do it to Lex easily. She also makes illusions. She could make herself look very, very different, which would explain why Catherine Hahn in the MCU appears so much younger than the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds years old version of Agatha Harkness that they're using there. That's because she's using magic to change the way she looks. Also, when fighting Agatha... You don't necessarily know who the person you're fighting is Agatha because she could change to make herself look like somebody else. She could change to make hundreds and hundreds of herself appear at any given time. Oh, also, she can go into your brain and make you see vivid illusions and monsters if you wanted to. She's done that to the invisible woman who has some of the most powerful mental force fields and force fields in general in the entire Marvel Universe. Last thing to talk about here, telekinesis. With telekinesis, she can essentially grab Lex Luthor and throw him around like a rag doll, even when he's in his fancy suit. She could also use her telekinesis to take over vehicles. She once took over a car that Susan Storm was driving just to make it instead drive to where she was because she wanted to see her. If you could control a car from miles away, what's stopping her from using telekinesis to change the wiring and the electrical pulses inside Lex's super suit that I assume he's wearing and make it do whatever she wants it to do? Oh yeah, also her telekinesis can be used to shatter high-impact metal objects, destroying them. Oh yeah, you know, like a suit of armor. I'm just saying Lex is the wrong guy for this task. Agatha's gonna shred him, and that's only my point number one. Look, there's not a whole lot I can push back on that. You know, Agatha Harkness is this amazing character known for her ability to use magic. As long as she can access that ambient, you know, magic from, you know, wherever she accesses, you know, th- then she's she's got this high level of both knowledge and power. But here's the thing. In terms of magic, you know, and it was a Marvel DC crossover back in 2004 where Scarlet Witch was in the DC universe for a second. And she said the the magic here, like the chaos that's happening, it's 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 different. It's more chaotic. It's crazier. And I'm not saying that's still the case, but it is definitely a different animal. And the reason why that's important is because that's something Lex Luthor has had to deal with on a number of occasions. Lex Luthor knows how to deal with people and he's dealt with magical beings before and he's got a lot of ways. Ways that he's already beaten them and some ways that I'll outline later that I'll specifically win here. Uh, that's really all I've got to say. I think Agatha Harkness is a great character, but I still think Lex Luthor has what it takes to win. So let me get to my point number one. 
And I call my point number one, he's just crazy smart. Look, Lex Luthor has an IQ of 225. That's higher than Batman's IQ of 185. He's arguably the smartest person in the DC Universe, but there's no doubt he's at least probably top five, at least. He's got a photographic memory. Now, this is important because not only can he remember everything he, he's ever seen, he can analyze everything in his memory as well as if it's real time. Every time he's faced off against a supernatural being, he remembers it perfectly and makes a plan to overcome it or use it in a future occasion. He's also a master tactician strategist. He's a very skilled tactician. That's putting it mildly. He devises complex plans and schemes to achieve his goals, all while playing 4D chess to do something else on the side. This is just what he does. He's a super skilled inventor. We all know this, but what's really cool, he's not just a skilled inventor. He is like MacGyver on steroids. He can create whatever he needs on the spot, of course, I'll like this future uh, in the future uh, points. He's an expert manipulator. This is one of my favorite aspects of him. He's got this talent for convincing others to follow his lead or support his plans. He uses people as pawns all the time in his schemes, and they don't even know it. He's done this to Superman. He's done this to the Joker. He's done this to Batman, amongst many others. He's especially good at maneuvering people into the exact spot he wants to be. Remember, Lex is the guy who convinced Darkseid of all people to help the Earth in a war against a galaxy-destroying being known as Imperiax. That's some pretty good. Manipulation. He's also actually a really good fighter. He's super skilled. He took on four members of the Bat family. That was Nightwing, Tim Drake, Batgirl, and I believe Damian Wayne, I believe, at the same time. And he beat them in a fight. Now, did he cheat? Of course he did. But even with that, when you can take out four of those insanely well-trained people at the same time, that's a high level of fighting. He's got insanely strong willpower. It's almost superhuman, possibly is superhuman. He's got this strong determination, a force of will. This, by the way, it's on file, allows him to resist mind control and telepathy. He's also an escape artist. Who knew? Listen, he's always in jail and prison back in the day. He's getting out of all these jams all the time. This is just something that's kind of cool. He's got the power of intimidation. Now, it, you put his intelligence, his ruthlessness, his powerful positions that he puts himself, and he, it really makes him an intimidating presence. He's written that way. And he's intimidating both in the criminal underworld and legitimate business world. He knows how to make superpowered beings very afraid of him the moment he meets them just because he's reading them. And they're like, uh-oh, what's this guy up to? He's insanely intimidation. He throws people off their game all the time. He's got this power of observation. And this actually may be his real superpower. Look, we know his mind is super analytical, which helps him assess any type of situation. It helps him gather information to do some important details others might miss but this will definitely come into play the moment Agatha uses any kind of magic he'll understand what she's up to he'll understand where she's coming from what she can do her power all this kind of good stuff and he's going to come up into a lot of a lot of plans super quickly look to put this in perspective he's beaten a lot of super powered a lot of supernatural iconic characters by just out thinking them he's out thought Superman many times Outthought the Justice League in its entirety. The Crime Syndicate, that's the evil version of the Justice League who beat the Justice League. They're from Earth 3. And then Lex Luthor kind of said, I know what to do to, to, to beat them. And even got the Joker to fight on his side and Batman at the same time. And even one of the biggest supernatural and superpowered heavyweights in the DC Universe, I'm talking about Darkseid. He outthought Darkseid a number of times as well to get the upper hand. If that wasn't even crazy, he's even outthought Batman and got the win on Batman a couple of times. This is not your average super genius. This is your super IQ meets super EQ rolled into badassery. That's my point number one. All right, much like the producers of the TV show Judge Judy, I'm going to have to shut this down right now. You're talking about him being very, very smart. And let's face facts. He is a very, very smart individual. 225 IQ. I don't even know exactly what that means, but that's smarter than Batman by 40 points. That doesn't even seem possible, but let's talk about it. Lex Luthor was able to outthink Superman? Wow, a character not exactly known for being one of the greatest minds. You don't have Superman on the, on the comic books because he can fly, he's invulnerable, can tow the earth. No, his great mind is why. Look, outthinking Superman is not exactly a feat. In fact, every Superman villain in the history of DC Comics has at one point outthought Superman, and Bizarro is probably on that list as well. Not a big deal, and he's a great manipulator sure he can make you know he can make plans happen and he's playing 4d chess with all of his machinations but that's not really going to help him against agatha look he needs people to lead here it's a one-on-one -on -one battle with no prior knowledge he's going to be in trouble without that plan uh, i don't think he can come up with something on the spot an intimidation james agatha harkness is going to conjure a tea set and then sip it while staring daggers into him while he thinks he's being all intimidating she's not going to be intimidated by this guy i was also wondering if you're going to bring up bizarro 
thing in Bizarro thought Superman. I don't think he has, but that's interesting. All right, David, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Well, I'm curious to know more facts. I don't know really in this setting if I could ask for specifics. It's the kind of thing where you'd have to go away into your research. But, you know, here's the, 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 the burning questions in my mind right now. I'd love to hear an example of how Lex Luthor has resisted mind control and telepathy because that's a very important point that you made there. I would like to know a little bit about that. I played Darkseid. I love Darkseid. That was really interesting that you brought him up, uh, that he could be manipulated. I wasn't aware of that. Um, both some really good points on both sides so far. See, th this is the thing. I had to try to figure out, okay, you know, because Lex is very multifaceted. Ray, of course, I'm bringing up the battle armor. But there's, you know, what do you bring up first with Lex Luthor? And I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just show the fuel that will put everything into use in terms of his tactics and his strategies. We'll see if this works. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us for your point number two. Point number two for Agatha. Let's talk about some of the people she's beaten and some of the things that she's done. I mentioned she took over the Invisible Woman, Sue Storm's uh, car, and made it drive over to her. In a, Invisible Woman, as I said before, some of the greatest force fields. Um, it, what, her and then maybe Booster Gold in DC? I'm trying to think of who has the best force fields. Let's face it, she's used force fields to, what, trap people in bubbles and remove oxygen, that kind of stuff. Well... Agatha has taken down Invisible Woman's force fields before. That is not something that happens very often. She has sort of that impregnable defense, but Agatha has gotten through it. Some of the wins that she's put together. She defeated a group called the Frightful Four. I'm leading with them because they're maybe my favorites. That's Medusa with the hair. That's the wizard uh, who's got tech. That's the Sandman. You know the Sandman, the, the uh, Spider-Man villain. And my favorite of the four, Paste Pot Pete. How have we not had Paste Pot Pete, a guy with a giant vat of glue on his back, and he just shoots it at people and sticks them to things? One of the greatest villains in the history of Marvel Comics. Well, Agatha beat all four of those characters at the exact same time very, very easily. She just used her magic and sort of just waved her hand and they were not a factor anymore. Other more powerful characters that she's been a part of beating... Annihilus, Annihilus, one of the big bads, probably going to be in the MCU at some point. Well, she was able to kind of unlock and untap the potential of the Fantastic Four, figure out the way that they could beat him, and then she sort of used them in order to beat Annihilus as her pawns. A little Lex Luthory, if you ask me. Also, she beat a character named Ultron. He's a pretty powerful, big, important, robotic, machine tech-based character. Well, she tapped into Franklin Richards' power, and then used that power in herself to unleash her magic upon Ultron, defeating him, uh, uh, beat Immortus. Immortus is like one of the ultimate versions of Kang the Conqueror. He was trapping Scarlet Witch. Stop me if you heard this before. She walked right in there, freed Scarlet Witch from his control, and then they just dominated Immortus, Kang the Conqueror, a character that you argued successfully could beat Rick Sanchez. I disagree, but that's what the judge said. Well, Agatha Harkness has a win over Kang as well. And another thing I want to talk about, and her secret weapon in all of this, look, I'm going to talk about more magic in point number three, because she's got even more impressive magic than what I've talked about so far. So the fact that that's already landing is a good sign for me, but her familiar, Ebony. Ebony is a black cat who just appears like a regular old like alley cat, but it's actually a powerful creature from another dimension that is always with her. Ebony is immortal, effectively. In order to defeat Ebony, you would actually have to blow his molecules atom by atom across the entire universe. Anything short of that will not stop Ebony. And Ebony is her pet. Ebony will always be there fighting with her. Ebony can turn into a giant monster, in many cases a giant panther, uh, and is this monstrous panther that comes and attacks you. Bullets will not hurt Ebony in any way whatsoever. Ebony fought against Mephisto, you know, the Marvel's version of the devil. Mephisto literally turned Ebony inside out, and Ebony's claws were still able to shred Mephisto, who is, you know, the devil in Marvel Comics, and they fought to a draw, so that way everybody who needed to could escape. If you can fight the devil and then walk away a few panels later totally unharmed after suffering being turned inside out by the devil, 
you gotta say, assuming, and why wouldn't Ebony be involved in this fight? Lex Luthor's in deep trouble. And that's my point number two. All interesting stuff here. You know, it's funny. I'm going to be getting to the battle armor for Lex Luthor. And uh, yeah, his battle armor has to stand up against with force fields against that of Superman, who I think hits a lot harder than a lot of the characters that Sue Storm has to put her force fields up against. So that's just kind of a fun fact right there. Uh, in terms of, you know, telepathy and what have you, remember Martian Manhunter tried to get into Lex Luthor's head, couldn't do it. More details on that later. And also Ebony, you know, Ebony is not a common fixture with Agatha Harkness and my research on that. Ebony shows up once in a while. It's not like when Moon Knight had, you know, that that god that was with him 100% of the time. Ebony's kind of there once in a while, you know, not there all the time. Remember, Agatha Harkness has died twice. It sounds like Ebony would have been a huge help when she, you know, died twice, but Ebony wasn't there. So I don't really think Ebony's going to be a big factor in this. And even if Ebony is, not going to be a really big deal with this. And for my point number two, let's th- just go there. Let's talk about Luthor's battle armor. Look, you know, for the longest time, Luthor was just this very smart person who could create very large robots and cool technological plans to fight against uh, Superman, even some involving magic, which is really cool. And then I think it was the 1970s or early 80s where someone's like, hey, let's give him a suit of armor. And they just kind of went with that. So let's talk about his armor. Now, of course, his armor gives him this enhanced strength, and he calls his armor the war suit. And this war suit augments Luthor's physical strength to a super high level. Remember, this is someone who goes toe-to-toe with Superman in his battle armor for good periods of time. That's crazy strong. It can also dematerialize and become untouchable, just kind of like the vision can lower his density, something similar for the battle suit. So all of a sudden, Luthor can't be touched. It's got this enhanced durability. Look, the, the armor itself is just super, super powerful, very, very durable, can take explosions, punches from Superman. But he's got that high degree protection uh, force field. He's got even the metal itself can protect against all these physical physical attacks, energy-based attacks. Uh, Listen, you're trying to damage Lex Luthor in that suit. Good luck. He's got energy projection. He can, uh, you know, blast energy-based weapons. He's got energy blasts. He's got missiles. He's got lasers. He's got tons and tons of tech on him that he can use offensively. He can use the suit. The suit somehow gives him telekinesis where he can easily move things that are huge with his mind. And it doesn't matter the weight, the bigger they are, the easier it is for him. The suit also, this is really cool, can absorb incoming damage and, and, and attacks and deflect the damage back to the attacker with even more power. So if Superman throws any of his punches, the power can be deflected right back at Superman Superman tenfold. That's crazy. Of course, he can fly and he can fly super fast. He's got the propulsion systems. Uh, he can fly at high speeds, maneuver really well. He's got life support, you know, the force field and everything around him. He's He can support in space, underwater, doesn't matter. Also, this one's kind of weird. It can change a three-dimensional character into a two-dimensional character. Turn them paper flat. I don't know exactly how that helps him out. He did it to Superman once. It was highly effective. Just something he can do. Why not? Uh, let's see, the fun one. This suit can create force fields that are strong enough to defend against Superman's power. It also has a force field around his head. That's why he doesn't need a you know a helmet or whatever. And it's got a force field that acts as a nullifier field. This is cool because it generates a field of energy around an opponent that's capable of dampening or suppressing any type of energy that opponent is accessing. This includes you know solar radiation Superman's got. also includes magical energy. That's going to come in handy later on. It can project a sheet that wraps around someone at a molecular level. This sheet block all energy as well, so it's kind of redundancy. It's uh, it can project illusions that are good enough to fool Superman. It's also got the power of super hypnotism. Don't know how this works, but that's the thing he can do with his suit. It's got an advanced AI and sensor systems. Anything that's around him at any one time, coming in, going out, whatever, he knows what's around him at all the time. It's also got something cool. It's this adaptive technology. So simulations of this war suit have, you know, the ability to adjust and counter specific threats. They can kind of manipulate the system so that if it's more of a magical attack, physical attack, whatever it is, it knows how to kind of put its resources toward defending and then attacking that opponent, depending on what that opponent is doing. Listen, it can also, this is actually really cool. It can emit an odorless knockout gas that Luthor's already inoculated to. He has used this quite a bit. So if all of a sudden Agatha Harkness is anywhere in range, it's an odorless gas that's just coming out. She breathes it in. She's a human being. She's being knocked out. On top of everything, the armor has built-in telepathic defenses. Listen, I mentioned this before. Martian Manhunter tried to get into Lex Luthor's mind, and Martian Manhunter is arguably the most powerful telepath in the DC universe. He's someone who can control the Earth and telepathically plant, mess, uh, you know, Thoughts, remove thoughts from people of the entire planet as well. He tried to get into Lex Luthor's mind, take it over, and the suit had these automatic defenses already built in to help him make sure that nothing get in. He was absolutely fine, couldn't be taken over by Martian Manhunter. 
the tech that Lex Luthor has, has him go toe-to-toe with Superman, can read and dampen magical energies. This thing is no joke. Put all that together. Agatha Harkness is in trouble. That's my point number two. There's a lot of nonsense happening here, James. There's a lot you're leaving out. I mean, first off, there are many different versions of the suit, and you sort of compiled all of the abilities of all the suits he's ever worn and pretended that that's all in one suit. You know, there's the pre-Flashpoint suit, there's the ones that he wore afterwards, and there are various things that you said that were part of various suits. This is your Predator argument all over again, pretending that everything that had ever been done by any Predator is the same Predator, and I just want to say, no, James, that is misrepresentation of the suit uh, at the end of the day. And, and, and the power suit, it, it is great. Of course, Superman does eventually take out the suit like every single time he faces it, except like once when he had to come back a second time and take it out. So it withstands Superman to a point, and then Superman overpowers it eventually every single time they fight, basically speaking. And let's talk about Lex Luthor's biggest weakness, and that's his, uh, his his anger. You know, you would think it would be his overconfidence, but it really isn't. At the end of the day, it's the fact that he can be thrown off his game if he's incited enough. And if there's a character that would absolutely take everything that he's been given, and let's face it, Agatha with her magic was able to stay young for centuries. This gas and everything else, that's not really going to do anything. Uh, as soon as she starts feeling a little bit weird and she has the senses to read his mind, to know what he's going to be throwing at her, she can adjust magically to take care of it. And that's going to make him mad. That's going to make him have a mistake. And that's going to be where Agatha... Agatha destroys him. And we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, David's about to tell us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what David has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin patron of the week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, we've got somebody who I believe has been on the show before, but absolutely deserves to be on the show again. We're going to go with Douglas Rigert Johnson is our fan of the week from Patreon. Ooh, okay. Interesting, interesting. Let's have Douglas go up against... Oh, yeah, I'm doing it. Let's have him go against Super Mario. Super Mario. Now, that is a very exciting battle right here. Now, the thing you need to know about uh, Super Mario, right, is that he obviously has the invulnerability. We've had him on the show before, right? He's got the giant hammer from the Donkey Kong, and he's known for being somebody who can jump very, very high. Wasn't the original name like Super Jumpman, or is that a different game? I don't care. I'm going to pretend that that's true, even if it's wrong. Who cares? He jumps really, really high. The thing that Douglas Rigert Johnson uh, doesn't really let you know is, look at those letters. What do they spell? D-R-J. Dr. J. Julius Irving was one of the greatest basketball players of the Philadelphia 76ers, maybe one of the most famous basketball players of all time who could jump very, very high. Douglas Riger Johnson has the powers of Dr. J inside him. So he's going to score off with Mario. Mario's going to jump up and crush a block. And we all know how the Mario world works. Douglas is going to jump up in the air even higher than Mario, come down on his head, and take him out. Good win, Douglas. You earned it. I mean, I can't argue with that logic. That is a flawless victory. Congratulations, Douglas. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. David, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? At the end of um, point number one, I felt Agatha was in the lead. Then in point two, uh, Lex came almost equal to her because I was of the belief that that suit could equal being a witch. However, the fatal flaw tonight is that one side has been more effective at rebutting the other side than, than the other person. And that has to go to Ray right now because you started off, uh, James, with a fatal thing that you said. I can't, there's not a whole lot I can push back on. Now, you had to fight back from that to convince me that what you said there was actually not going to decide the whole thing for me. And you did that very successfully. However, when you talked about the suit, I was almost sold on it. And then Ray said, you're, you're combining all these elements of different suits into one suit. I have to get a better understanding of what his abilities really are at any given moment, because it seems that there are many things that Lex Luthor could be vulnerable to in, in terms of Agatha's ability to defeat him, but how often can he defend 
multiples of them and not just one thing. The the fact that Ray said that Agatha can shatter metal is a big thing for me. This concerns me. And also what happens when he isn't in the suit. I mean, that's that I'd like to hear a little bit more about too to convince me. So right now, um, I have to I'm, I'm gonna say it's 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 potentially even. However, I'm leaning toward Agatha right now. Interesting, interesting. I had a funny feeling this is would, would be how it would go, but I do have a plan in place. Let's see if it plays out. Ray, go ahead and hit us for your point number three. Point number three for Agatha Harkness. Let's go back to the magic and talk about the real hardcore ways that she would win this battle because the first thing that she can do, and she does it all the time, is teleportation. She can teleport herself and others easily miles away just with a thought. At one point, she teleported the entire West Coast Avengers because she wanted to hang out with them. She teleported them from another dimension to her location. (laughs) She took people who weren't even in this plane of reality and brought them to her. So absolutely, she could do this to Lex Luthor in his super suit, no problem, which allows her, among other things, to change the battlefield to be wherever the heck she wants it to be. Should we do this, you know, on another planet, in another dimension? Should I teleport you straight to New Salem itself? Heck, can I just teleport you away from this battle, thus winning by battlefield removal? The answer is yes. She also does something called banishment, which is even worse than the teleportation. She banished the Salem Seven, uh, which were, you know, story-wise, you know, part of the New Salem crew that was opposing her. She banished them back to New Salem and made it so that magically they were not able to leave. She can prevent you from leaving an area, which counts in my mind as an incapacitation under who would win rules. If she can basically put you in a room and say, make it so you can't leave that room, that's a win. She's also banished spectral forces from possessing people as well. So any mind abilities, she was able to purge the Silver Surfer of internal corruption that way. Silver Surfer, pretty powerful being. If it can put him down, she can remove it. She's used fire manipulation as well, which Lex's uh, super suit shoots out fire from the feet. I've seen it in many, many uh, ways in many comic books with Lex Luthor. She can manipulate fire. So if she can manipulate fire, what's stopping her from manipulating the fire in his rocket boots and shooting that fire back up inside the suit, roasting him? Not just that, she once created a wall of fire that was so powerful, it kept the Fantastic Four from leaving the city they were in to go to where they needed to be. Again, trapping somebody in a location with magical powers. And that's fire. Like, we're talking about Human Torch as part of the Fantastic Four, and fire kept him out. So... That's going to keep out Lex Luthor as well. She makes shields uh, for offensive attacks. She used one to stop Firestar. At one point, she just gracefully meandered through a magical barrier that was keeping out every single hero in New York City. That's a lot of very powerful characters in Marvel Universe in New York City, uh, including magic-based ones. She just walked through the magical barrier that stopped everybody else from doing it. And the last thing I want to talk about here transmutation she can turn a thing into another thing she could turn lex's super suit into not lex's super suit basically not only could she control it telepathically telekinetically and do all of that but she once turned the sandman we remember him the marvel guy made of sand she turned him into stone which freaked him the heck out when suddenly he couldn't move anymore because his entire body was turned into stone. She also manipulated and changed the statue from looking like, was it Dr. Strange to herself from miles away. So she doesn't even have to be near you in order to use the transmutation ability. So she can just teleport him away. She can enter his mind and, and, and shut it down and figure out what he's going to do. Or she could just transmutate his power suit into, you know, a lead balloon and watch him fall to earth, a wash in victory. And that's my point number three. All right, time for some legendary pushback. Um, here's the thing about her. The abilities of the suit that I listed, let's talk about Lex Luthor first of all. The abilities of the suit I listed, all of them are still with the suit, except for maybe the ability to turn someone from a three-dimensional thing to a two-dimensional thing. I'll give you that one, Ray. That was kind of a one-off, but whatever. 
Everything else I listed is still part of the common day suit, although the suit's been upgraded. And the second thing I'm going to push back on is the fact that, Ray, listen, fire coming out from the boot, that's not even how the suit flies anymore. It's not rocket boots anymore. The suit that he's had for probably over the last 12 years has flies in a completely different mechanism. It's not rocket boots, whatever. Good luck with that. You know, when Agatha Harkness uses her transmutation, her teleportation, the bigger forms of magic that she has access to, that's actually very taxing on her. She can't do that unlimited. She she has a limited amount of stamina, of endurance, in which she can tap into her magic and use it. This is going to be a really big problem for any battle where she needs to keep throwing big thing after big thing. And the reason I know this is because when a couple times she was killed, the last one against Wanda Maximoff, all she had to defend against against Wanda, because she knew Wanda really, really well, remember this was her teacher, is just use better or more powerful magic than Wanda, but she couldn't do it because her, her magic is, in fact, as great as it is, it's limited in terms of power. She can only access so much and she has to be able to access it all right let me get to my point number three and everything's about to come clear for you guys so my point number three let's first talk about agatha harkness's weaknesses i've already mentioned that she's died at least twice listen a lot of comic comic, comic characters have but she's died twice each time it's because she was outdone either magically or her endurance gave out or she was cut off the real reason she was cut off from her magic on top of that, she's got no fighting skills, like no personal fighting skills at all, like is in zero. That is a big deal when you're fighting someone who can do it all like Lex Luthor. She's just human after all, really, and her magic gets weaker the longer she has to use it. I just mentioned this. That means her magical power is going to run out or get weaker over time. She's been beaten before where she's been disconnected from magic. This is her big weakness. So something Lex Luthor has done against one of the most powerful supernatural beings in the DC universe is cutting them off from their source of magic because he knew how to do it the moment he saw them. So here's the deal. See, not too long ago, Swamp Thing attacked Gotham City and took it over. No one could stop him, not even Batman. It was kind of cool. The military is called in. They are less than helpful, to put it mildly. So they do the only thing they can think of, and they call in a consultant otherwise known as Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor says, great, I'll give you 10 minutes of my time for $10 million. It was awesome. They said, great, Swamp Thing's here. What do we do? He looks at it. He says, got it, got it, got it. Okay, we're going to cut off his access to what's called the green. This is that supernatural, one of the most powerful supernatural forces in the DC universe that that Swamp Thing can tap into and do whatever he wants, pretty much as long as it has something to do with nature. And Lex Luthor says, yeah, just cut him off from that. And then he won't be able to regenerate, do what he does. And you can just take him out. And the military is like, that sounds awesome. How do we do that? He's like, got it. And he goes ahead and within seconds makes this thing, gives it to him and says, here's how you use it. You knock yourself out, turn it on. They did. It disconnects Swamp Thing from the green, and the Swamp Thing all of a sudden becomes just a big, huge plant animal. They take him out, destroy it. It's kind of fun. This is what Lex Luthor does. But on top of all that, uh, there's another big reason as to why Lex Luthor beats her. It's not just because he knows how to deal with opponents who are magical. He's done that a whole bunch of times in DC Universe. He actually does understand a lot about magic. But the real reason is because he's implemented this new type of technology into his suit. This is now a main thing of his suit because he's had a lot of experience on the planet Apocalypse dealing with Darkseid and other Apocalyptic type of people, the new gods, new Genesis, all that kind of good stuff. So what he has now in his suit that's now actually become part of him himself is something called the Mother Box. This is really cool. Now, the Mother Box is a sentient computer. It's way more than just an AI. It's Powerboy is called the Source, which is, I'm using air quotes, the great energy behind creation is the source of all that exists, acting as the limitless energy from which all life sprang forth in the multiverse. And Lex Luthor put a Mother Box powered by the Source into his battle armor that is now part of him. That is insane. So what can a Mother Box do? Well, amongst other things, it can heal someone instantly. It can bring them back to life. It can teleport from any distance through any dimension. You ever hear of a boom tube? Yeah, he's got access to that now. It can change the gravitational pull of an area. It can instantly analyze an opponent's host is fighting and understand immediately how to beat it. This thing is beyond supernatural. This is made out of the energy, the force, that the supernatural force is made out of. This is before supernatural and magic, and that's what he's got. Let's see, it can also resist reality warping. It can protect the host from any type of mental, psychic, or psychological attacks. It's omniscient. It can see anything and everything going on around it and let the host know about it as well. It's got omni-knowledge, has access to all knowledge of what are called the new gods. These are like ancient beings. It's got knowledge projection, which means it can take any experience it's ever seen from anything or has access to of any person, you know, that's in its database and project that and that knowledge into Lex Luthor immediately. Of course, it's dealt with some of the most powerful magical users in the DC universe. It enhances the mental state of a host in order for the host to do whatever they have to accomplish, manipulates the life force of a host to sustain
seen in past fatal injuries. It can make its user telepathic, can manipulate the life force of the of the foes that the host is fighting. So all of a sudden, Agatha is feeling okay, and then she's getting weaker, as we just talked about. It can instantly block energy sources, which means it can block Ag- Agatha's access to her ambient magical energy of the Marvel Universe. That's pretty cool. It's also got matter and energy manipulation. Because it's connection, it's connection to that source I just mentioned, it has a limitless capacity to alternate and rearrange all manner of material across existence for any desired purpose. I'm using air quotes again. Here's my favorite, though. It can grant its host different special abilities you know, whatever their effects and skills are that they need in the moment. So all of a sudden, Lex is facing off against Agatha and she's doing something. Maybe it just detects it, sees it and says, great, I have to give Lex Luthor this, this, and this to be able to defeat Agatha. Most likely it's going to say, I'm giving you the ability to cut off Agatha from its source of magic. All of a sudden, she's a regular human being. Have fun with it. This is how the battle's going to go down. They're going to face off. Lex is going to see that Agatha is a magic user, kind of understand what he's got to do because he's already done it with Swamp Thing. And all of a sudden, it's a huge, big battle. The mother box comes into play, gives that information to Lex. He takes away her ability to connect to that ambient energy of the universe, turns into a regular person, and then takes her out. Listen, in terms of anger, he's got a lot towards Superman, but he doesn't have any anger towards Agatha. Listen, put all this together. That's a combination of intellect technical know-how and that mother box and the fact he knows how to fight against magical users this is why agatha harkness loses this is why lex luthor wins that's my point number three boy james you you can tell you're in the desperate part of a losing argument when james starts going to the uh once he had it for a very short period of time so therefore he'd have it here well the mother box father box whatever the heck james wants to call it the most time, that, and I can tell that he even had access to it, was in the movies with Jesse Eisenberg, which is the version that James said he might take. Eh, he didn't end up taking it. That's a dark side weapon that he had access to for a very short part of one storyline. And don't let this fool you, Judge David Sobolov. This is not something that he just has willy-nilly all of the time. This is a very short-lived thing in one storyline. So the point I want to make here is a few things. We heard a lot about the armor today. And we heard about how it stands up to Superman, although it does eventually lose to him eventually. This armor was literally made with kryptonite inside of it just to beat Superman. And it still wasn't enough and there have been many there's a version of it that makes the user insane uh, which could fight the weakness thing i talked about earlier with his anger problems at the end of the day it does not matter james is still talking about lots of different uh, versions of the suit that's fine but all of this gives uh, two points that i need to make here one he needs prior knowledge to win. That's why he's able to beat Superman with a suit. That's why he's able to defeat Martian Manhunter when he goes up against him, which again, I don't think that's happened, but like a singular time in one storyline doesn't seem like something that happens all the time. And you said Agatha has a limited amount of magical energy. Well, how much how much energy does she need to teleport Lex Luthor to another dimension one time? How much energy does that actually take to get the win if she needs to? That's really all I have to say. James, you put up a great fight today. You usually don't, but today you did. I'm just disappointed that it wasn't enough. Let's see what our judge has to say about this. Listen, David, you've heard three points from both Ray and myself, and it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process, tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Lex Luthor and Agatha Harkness. Okay, who would win? In a fight to the death, submission, or battlefield removal, there's other questions that I have to ask to answer though that question. Um, will the suit deflect her powers? Can she get him away from the suit? That's my question on the other side. There's a lot of questions. And because I don't have intimate knowledge of all that this happens at every uh, this is the third time I've been on the show. By the end, it becomes very challenging for me to make the decision because I have to also decide, aside from the facts that are presented to me, is the person, Ray or James, being, uh, whether they know or whether they're trying to or not, are they giving me the truthful picture of what that character actually has at their disposal? I have to decide that too. So I have made these, these decisions that are bringing me to my conclusion about who would win. James, you have convinced me that he is super intelligence and that he could possibly find a way to remove her from her magic if he, and and Ray made the very good point, he may not have a prior knowledge of, of her magic or her or anything. 
although I think he is very smart, very well connected. I have a feeling he would have all sorts of things at his disposal to know when she's coming. I get the sense he would probably know she was coming and probably know enough about her, maybe, to get her away from him in time. However, that is a small possibility. This, it feels to me like if he's in the suit with his intelligence, and I believe the taxing part, I've seen that before with her, I think that he could defeat her if he was in the suit. But I'm not entirely sure that he could defeat her if he's not in the suit. I have to look at some other things. How am I deciding if he could defeat her if he's not in the suit? Well, she can teleport anyone somewhere away. I, I, would, I can't ask this question because it's the end of the battle, but I, like, I want to know if she could transport him to another time. Maybe she could. Maybe from what Ray was saying, he was implying going back to New Salem that that was what was going on there. Perhaps that is the answer. It's very difficult for me to come to the decision, but I have, I, I really, it really comes down to the fact, and because I've seen it before, and also that I played Dark Side, and I know a bit about Dark Side. M- mind you, the father box, mother box may have been a s- small thing at play, but you did say at one point, James, that all features were included. I don't, again, I don't know if that's accurate. I just have to take both of you at face value and decide who I believe. And I got to think here for just a second, because this decision is very close to going either way. So the mother box is an important point that's kind of making me decide everything. However, if we take it off the table, I still think with the super intelligence, the possibility that Lex can actually find a way to separate her from her magic. The fact that um, Agatha has, uh, I've seen it before when I've I've seen times when Agatha's um, appeared, she does get tired when she uses a huge amount of magic. I think all those things together, um, I think he can fend her off long enough to get to the suit. If he can get to the suit, the suit, and he will, the suit will, and his super intelligence and all his other abilities will be enough to defeat Agatha. Lex Luthor wins. And there you have it. Unbelievable. This battle had me stressed out all week. I I was trying to figure out a way how to get the win. And thankfully, it was, I guess, barely just enough. David saw the logic in it. Oh, thank God. I finally got the win. I feel momentum is changing, going into my favor. Ray Stacanus, you did great again. By the way, whenever I say great, we have yet again emotionally kind of gotten closer as best friends. So we have more of that to look forward to. Tell the Legion of Audience how you feel about this one. I don't understand what I have to do to win over uh, guest judge David Sobolov at this point. She can literally blink her eyes and teleport him to another dimension and battlefield remove him. I heard no answer in from James or from our judge as to why that just wouldn't be the way it goes down. So I'm just bamboozled at this decision at all. David Sobolov, yet again, you have done the impossible. You took an insanely hard battle to judge and somehow in your own magical, there you go, magical, magical way made sense of it, made it kind of compelling. And you kind of saw through what all of us were trying to figure out. Well done yet again. Three times in a row you've been on the show and three times you provided an answer, a judgment that is nothing short of genius. You, sir, are the magic of who would win. Thank you so much. I don't know if Ray feels the same way, but I, I love coming on the show and I'm hoping that um, the fact that I've been ruling against Ray will not prevent me from coming. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be the first, by the way. All right, listen, David, um, we're, we're so excited for all your projects. We're excited to see the films you're working on coming out. Uh, One Piece is amazing. Thanks to you. And again, congratulations on just doing what you did with Grill Grotta and the magic of, of what nine seasons of the flash and the CW uh, really, really well done. Uh, Tell the fans, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you online. I am just on Twitter right now. Um, my last name backwards, at Voloboss, um, or my website, Sobolov.com. I love it. All right, Race to Canis, another close matchup, a great debate on your part, repping a character so, so well. Uh, didn't get the win, but again, you came so, so close. And again, we're much closer emotionally. We've had another emotional breakthrough in today's episode, uh, meaning we're even better best friends than before. Tell the Legion of Audience where they can find you. I've never felt more discouraged than the moment when I found out they took most of the caffeine out of Pepsi Max slash Zero Sugar. 
But there is one time I felt more discouraged, and that's looking across the way and seeing Judge David Sobolov take a bunch of random statements that James made and then doing all of the work himself to just make it work. Even though those conclusions, based on the evidence, make no sense whatsoever. I'm starting to now understand why O.J. Simpson went free. Wow. This is one of the most uh, incomprehensible decisions. And I thought I'd seen it all when it comes to incomprehensible decisions. <laughs> when we have a judge doing all the work of one of us, it's weirdly enough, never me. I have to make such an ironclad argument that it would survive the depths of the ocean. And James just says, oh, he severed the green from Swamp Thing. Therefore, meeting Agatha Harkness for the first time, he'll just make her magic disappear. What are we even talking talking about on the show there will be riots in the streets this week purely because of this decision and nothing else that's happening in the world whatsoever what do you have to do i go on a hot streak i'm winning match after match after match on the who would win show i'm embarrassing james on a weekly basis and suddenly delvin cox shows up as a judge suddenly crystal storm shows up as a judge and now the homer of all homer judges, David Sobolov, <laughs> gives me an undeserved loss today. I am horrified at our board. I'm horrified at our entire structure. This must end, and sanity must prevail. You can find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter. I know you don't know what happened because I don't know what happened, and I was here the whole time. Voice your displeasure at Who Would Win Show. You heard it first here. If there are riots anywhere around the world this week or any type of civil unrest, it is 100% because of the unhappiness with the judgment against race to Canis in today's episode. That's all. It's the only thing that makes sense. That's, and that's why Ray loses episodes. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of a growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Sup everyone, Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.